we're gonna have a whole state of California, it's all illegal weed. Right now in Sisi County, what I'm getting from my law enforcement sources is just the Hmong community, their illegal grow operation is a $49 billion black market. And the fact that they were able to hire lawyers and beat out Siskiyou County sheriffs, I mean, to me was alarming. It kind of feels like a game of whack-a-mole. They could raid, what, 10 operations in a day? There'll be 20 that popped up that same day. My guest today is Jorge Ventura reporter and producer of the documentary Narcofornia. Today he explains the hidden world of illegal marijuana growth in California and the dangers it presents to our community. Throughout my whole experience, you know, I've, I've reported at the border, I, I go into Mexico, I do, you know, I, I covered the crime and cartel stuff, but never has an elected official in the United States backed off an interview with me because they've actually were threatened from that group. I, and I mean, this is happening in the United States. I mean, it's absurd. Has California lost control of these rural communities? Are the local residents feeling helpless against this threat? Continue watching for the full insider story. I'm Siamai Korami, welcome to California Insider. Hey, it's good to be back here. We wanna to talk to you about your new documentary, which you actually you came on the show and you explained what's going on with cartels here in Southern California, but you explored that there is a bigger problem in Northern California. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, so what's interesting is, um, you know, we did our, our interview last year and it did really well with, with, with Californians. I was actually contacted by from former law enforcement agents in Northern California. So they saw the interview, they said, hey, Jorge, we saw that you mentioned about the cartel activity in Northern California. It's kind of the, a, a new thing here for us is here in SoCal, but in Northern California, they've been experiencing for years. And what he mentioned to me was, he said, hey, I heard that, you know, you were mentioning that LA County has over 500 of these cartel illegal grow operations. San Bernardino County has somewhere around 1,100 illegal grow operations, cartel related. He says, just in one county, Siskiyou County, we have over 7,000 illegal grows. And I wow. said, Wait, I'm like, wait, huh? Like, did, did, what, did you say that right? He said, we have 7,000 just in Siskiyou County. And the agent said, hey, we would love to invite you. Come see it for yourself. If you want to investigate it further, that's up to you. But please come look at our problem because our residents are desperate for help. They're desperate for any type of media attention. Um, so we went up to, to Northern California last year and um, my jaw was to the floor to see the amount of control um, these cartels have. So really quick, there's... Here in Southern California, it's mainly Mexican and Chinese that are running these illegal grows. We are seeing some Armenians, but it's mainly Mexican and Chinese. Up in Northern California, it's Mexican cartels, it's Chinese, it's Russians, you have California prison gangs, and then you also have this kind of, what we explored more was the Hmong community being involved in illegal grow operations. And we were absolutely fascinated by not only the control that these cartels have, but also what they did just to local communities. We interviewed firefighters who actually told us that there's um, areas up in Northern California that they don't respond to 911 calls because it's all cartel related, um, heavily armed folks. And it's all of this issue of, of marijuana. And right now, here in California, we're, we're actually on the brink of the legal marijuana business actually collapsing. Um, I've been interviewing legal weed owners who actually you know, do it the legal way, they pay taxes into the system. They're, they're about to fail. They can't compete with the big corporations and what's really hurting them is the black market. So it's all the cartel stuff because A, they're not paying any 
taxes into the system. They don't even pay their workers. The workers, uh, majority of the time, are actually smuggled from Central America, and they're actually paying off a of debt here. Um, they're stealing the water, so that's that's hurting us here in California because we're in a major, major drought. Um, so we're losing at all angles, and it's interesting because other states look at California and they think it's a, it's a, it's a success is what's happening with marijuana. They have no idea that the black market is literally destroying it. The economy is not doing well, and with the current government spending irresponsibly, the inflation could get worse. How will you protect your hard-earned savings? The answer is gold. Gold is the world's oldest, most proven form of currency. It's there for you when inflation soars and when other assets go sideways. And that's why Birch Gold is so thrilled to introduce a new product that reimagines gold as a currency, the gold back. This month, you'll get a free gold back for every $5,000 purchased. When you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a precious metal IRA with Birch Gold by December 22nd, Birch Gold will help you own gold and silver in a tax-sheltered account. Visit birchgold.com California to claim your free info kit on gold. Then talk to one of their precious metal specialists. Plus, with every purchase you make before December 22nd, you'll get a free gold back. This is a great gift just in time for Christmas. Once again, visit birchgold.com California and protect your savings with gold today. Can you tell us what you saw on the ground? So you went there, what did you experience? You, you mentioned the word control. What does that mean, and what did you experience there? Yeah, so what makes, um, so here in Southern California, when we looked at the cartel grows, there's, there's a different aspects. So here it's more desert, so it's out here they could, get, they could get really get away from the public, and they're, you know, massive operations, heavily armed. So we, we saw those same trends in, in Northern California, right, where it's rural. Um, over there it's more mountain and forest, so you're actually able to kind of stay away from kind of police and, 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 and invade. The, the, the thing that was interesting for me and the reason why we explored it more and why we made Narcofornia was, you know, we looked at the Mexicans, we looked at Chinese and, and looked at Russians. None of them wanted to get involved in voting. You know, you, you never, we never heard of stories saying, hey, these Mexican cartels moved in and they're actually voting. They're trying to play a role in politics. But we saw this with the Hmong community. So when we started exploring it, we started to find out that the Hmong community uh, around 2014, 2015, they started... Uh, coming from the state of Minnesota. And they just started coming into this area called Siskiyou County, which is mostly mountain. There's Mount Shasta, which is this beautiful mountain over there. And the land there is extremely, extremely cheap out there in Northern California. Um, you could buy a, a land, what they call, they call a parcel out there, which is about an acre for 500 bucks. Wow. So what, what happened was is a guy named Moon Young Lee came, he bought hundreds of these parcels and then he illegally subdivided the parcel. So he made even more property land on this land. And what they did is they started bringing in their own family members or what the Hmong community calls them elders. They started bringing in the elders to move into these parcels. And in that, they actually started bringing in the illegal marijuana growers who are also Hmong in here. And little by little, these small little towns in Siskiyou County started to see this huge wave of Hmong. And not only that, but the license plates Every car, Minnesota, 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 Minnesota. And it's one thing, you know, of if, a, if this kind of monk community moved into L.A. County, we wouldn't even notice. But in Siskiyou County, the towns are very, very small. There's a town actually called Doris, barely over 1,000 people. So there's, a, a, you know, any new wave of, of residents is a bit alarming. So, so first they started to move in. They bought these parcels. Uh, Moon Young Lee was, is the kind of the leader of this who kind of started this kind of wave. 
and then a huge Hmong influx, right? The, the first it's the elders and those folks, then the growers started to come in. And then they bought more properties and subdivided them. And as we continue to uh, investigate, we, we spoke to a couple of former Siskiyou County sheriffs who gave us a great wealth of information. Um, in 2016, the county clerk of Siskiyou County, when she looked at the voting, she said, wait a minute, there's 600 new registered voters and they're all Asian named. Out of how many do you know? I mean, I think the towns was like 2,000 people. Wow. Maybe 3,000. So like it's third, very, very small. Or a fifth yeah, so in this area um, in Mount Shasta, they noticed 600 new registered voters. And all the names were Asian. So she looked at the names and said, hmm, that's particularly interesting because we're small town, rural. It's mostly white, Hispanic, you know, farmers, that, that nature. And so when she started to look at the names, she started to notice that the names were also registered to vote in other counties. And actually, majority of those names didn't have an, have an address in Siskiyou. Now, what they did find is one parcel, which is like a little piece of land, had 55 registered voters. Wow. So what she did is she forwarded this information um, to the Secretary of State here in California. And the sec Secretary of State sent that information to Siskiyou County Sheriff. So what, what ha basically happened is the, the Secretary of State sent their own officials to Siskiyou County, like actually on the ground. They said, investigate these addresses, find out what's going on. But the officials were so scared to go into these kind of illegal grow operation areas, they contacted the sheriff's office and said, can you accompany us while we go find out about these voters? So the sheriffs had to be well armed in these areas because this is all, you know, cartel, illegal marijuana grow uh, controlled areas. And they found out what, what, what I just told you was alarming, which they found out one house, 27 registered voters, one house, 60 registered voters, 55 registered voters. And then the, the, the names were also registered to vote in other counties. And some of them still dating back to Minnesota. So right there for the what so what, people were registered in multiple counties and Minnesota to vote, and that w that was what makes this um, story for me particularly interesting because whether it's Mexican cartel or the Russians or everything, I mean yes they're obviously involved in the black market marijuana business, but they're not looking to get involved in they're politics not in their and they're not moving system. in and they're not moving <laughs> in their family members right. You're not getting like these cartel guys. He's not moving in his tia or tío from Mexico <laughs> and like actually living. So this. To me, this was fascinating. Mm. So once we hit the ground, they were the, what the residents told me, I saw it all. Every car will go by Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota. The thing that, that it's, is, is also an issue is when, they, when this huge influx of community come in and they start growing marijuana legally, um, all the areas that they're growing, they're growing marijuana, there's no wells, there's no water system in these parcels. So what they found is the Hmong community has been finding American citizens in these communities who are turning their back against their own community and selling this water to them which is a huge issue because um, these folks down there, they're actually living off what they call underground water. Like, so they, they, only, they only have a certain amount and they're on a drought. And the state of California is already hitting them with restrictions. So farmers are already restricted. So what, what, these, what these Hmong farmers are doing or growers is they're finding uh, farmers, white farmers that are willing to sell them water under the table and they're buying, I mean, there is an estimate there's about 9 million gallons of water either being stolen or kind of um, being bought illegally under the table and they're being brought to these farms to grow. So the, the farmers have been getting hit the hardest. Um, not only that, they're still dealing with inflation and on top of that, we're still, we still have the violence issue. We're having more guns. The homicide rate uh, goes up when these groups are in. And this is just among that I'm talking about, but you know we can't forget there's Mexicans, the uh, Russians, there's other groups, but it, it's the among that we were most interested because they want to play uh, a role in the local politics, um, they're hauling water like crazy. So when you're down there on the ground, 
you'll see these water trucks every 30 minutes, maybe even some every 10 minutes, just whew, flying in these little towns, hauling water. And the thing is, none of these water trucks that are hauling water are permanent. There's no logos on them. There's sometimes there's not even license plates on them. There's, there's, they're supposed to have a bunch of signs on them, um, according to the state of California. They're all illegal. And as we continue to explore, we, you know, I say, well, how did they get to 7,000 illegal girls? You know, I, I spoke to the sheriff, uh, uh, Jeremiah LaRue, Siskiyou County. Jeremiah LaRue is actually only 37 years old. He's the youngest county sheriff at a state, at the whole state of California. And he has a cartel, illegal girl, illegal migration crisis on his hand. And so you, you, what I'm witnessing here is these little towns in Northern California with a small police force are dealing with thousands of illegal girls, hundreds and hundreds of workers and weapons. It was, a, it, for me, it was shocking as a reporter because I just left Antelope Valley. I mean, Antelope Valley has over 500 illegal girls, but at least it's in L.A. County. I mean, yeah. L.A. County Sheriff is not a it's small. It's the largest sheriff. It's the largest sheriff. The I mean, they're, they're backed by millions. Yeah. But up there, it's a small force. And um, so I asked one of the sheriff deputies, I said, hey, if you don't mind, what are you making? You know, tackling on cartel grows and weapons and human smuggling traffic and water theft. He says, we actually start off at just 20 bucks an hour. I said, 20 bucks an hour to take on these guys heavily armed, you know, illegal growers, all types of stuff. He says, yeah. He's like, that's why we can't find enough bodies because who, who, who wants to get paid 20 bucks an hour to take on cartels and being in a risk of, of a gunfire fight? It's, so they can't, the law enforcement can't even find the, the bodies. They don't even have the resources. Um, so when we were up there, um, we always go embedded with the sheriffs when they raid the grows. So they raid this grow and, you know, they have the bulldozer there to, you know, take down the greenhouses and to, to de destroy the infrastructure, which actually is, it's a great sign because here in L.A. County and San Bernardino, when the sheriffs would raid the, the girls, they never destroyed the infrastructure. And then um, my reporting team, we would go back to the girls in about a month. start again, right? Yeah, they would be all up again. And so over there, what they did is they actually destroyed them. But, and, you know, they were using bulldozers. But even the bulldozers being used were have, had to be donated by a local businessman because a sheriff can't afford bulldozers. Wow. So, so it was, it, you know, I was just learning a lot. And um, it was just shocking to see the amount of control that these growers have and how they operate. So how much uh, power do they have now politically? So these guys are coming in, they're bringing their families, they're getting organized, and they accuse the sheriff of being racist too because of, going right. after is that so what's what's interesting right now CMAC, is right now in 60 county what i'm getting from my law enforcement sources is just the Hmong community their illegal grow operation is a 49 billion dollar black market industry wow so they make a lot of money and there was an issue last year right so the sheriff goes up to his city council his board of supervisors says hey these guys are hauling water to illegal grow operations in parts where there's, I mean, there's no wells in these parcels. So they're hauling water and they're and the trucks that they're hauling them are, I mean, they're illegally, they're not, they're not permitted. So the county saw it, they agree with the sheriff. They said, okay, we're putting a ban on any water hauling to those communities. So what did the Hmong community do? They pulled the racist card. They got together, they, they were able to have the money and they hired a group of lawyers out of San Francisco. And the, these lawyers took the sheriffs to court and beat them. They beat Siskiyou County in court and says it was racist. Against the illegal growers. Exactly. So the lawyers took the sheriffs to court and they won. And the, the board of supervisors then came out and says, as of right now, we can't put a ban on water hauling. And right there, it just showed you the amount of power that the Hmong community have. Um, when it comes to other media companies, when they cover this, um, they always want to play the race card. It's not that at all. It's these folks are doing illegal activities and it's a huge issue with the water, especially with the drought, the water hauling, and then the violence. 
and the fact that they were able to hire lawyers and beat out Siskiyou County sheriffs, I mean, to me was alarming. You mentioned $49 billion. That's a lot of money. How, how, is, that, is that true? How accurate is that number? So my jaw fell to the floor when I heard that from um, the sheriffs. The, basically what they'll do is, because of their investigations, their arrests, and with their forensic analysis and everything, they were able to at least get an estimate calculation of how much black market marijuana is moving out of Siskiyou and the Worth. And they said, right now, we have a $49 billion black market marijuana industry just from Siskiyou County. And it's not um, even shocking because, like I said, on these, uh, on these grows, you know, even a small grow, they could reel in $3 million from the grow. And that's just one. And they have, like I was saying before, 7,000. That's, that's a conservative uh, uh, estimate. And we're talking about a county that's one of the poorest county, if not the poorest, in California. We're just talking about, you know, 44,000 residents who are poor, white, Hispanic farmers. Um, you know, people. You know, you're not going to meet people down there that are making sixty thousand a year, uh, a salary. That even. even. Um, so it's a forty-nine billion black market marijuana business, just out of Siskiyou County, just out of Siskiyou County. We're not even talking about the other counties in Northern California. We're not even talking about Humboldt, which is like the capital for this stuff. And we're not even including Southern California yet. Um, when it comes to water, they're estimating between nine million water gallons either being stolen or being sold under the table to illegal growers per day. So it's alarming, these stats. And when I'm speaking to residents out there, I said, hey, if this continues for another five, 10 years, what is your town gonna look like? What is Siskiyou County gonna look like? The, it's gonna be all controlled by monk and growers. I mean, they're pushing us out. We went to a, we spent a lot of time in our documentary. You'll see the part that, that shocks the audience is where we go to a, a little town called Doris, right on the border with Oregon. This little town has maybe a, a thousand people. It has about 1,200 illegal grow operations. Wow. Mainly controlled by the Hmong. There is some Mexican crime elements, but it's mo mainly the Hmong. And they're pushing these people out through violence, intimidation, threatening them openly. And the sheriffs don't have the bodies to go against these groups. And the thing is too, is because they're parcels, what the Hmongs have kind of mastered is, let's say I wanna go, let's say I'm a law enforcement, let's say I'm a Sissy County Sheriff, I wanna raid an illegal girl. To raid an illegal girl, there's a, there's, we need to go through the court, we need to get a warrant. By the time we go raid that illegal girl, that parcel owner, he already switched it to another owner, to just switch it to another Hmong name. So then Sheriff's like, oh, now we have to do it all over again, pull out a different warrant. It's, it's a complicated system, and we were actually embedded with Siskiyou County when they raided one of these grows, and what was fascinating, right, is we're, we're embedded with the sheriffs. Right when we go into these, I mean, when we go raid these grows, we're not talking about one grow. The monk buy massive pieces of land and then kind of control kind of communities of grows. So when we go in, it's not just one raid. We're, they're raiding multiple grows. But as we're going in, CMAC, what's interesting is all these neighborhoods down there, even when they're not raiding, they have lookouts. They have Hmong lookouts, and if they see, you know, reporters or police always on the phone, and they're, they're alert, they're, so they're, the communication there. So even as we're, we're going in with Siskiyou County Sheriffs, the lookouts are there on the phone, and you just see hundreds of cars leading, leaving the grows. So I, I turned to the sheriff. I said, Sheriff, you can't, can you pull these, these Hmong drivers over? They're all leaving the grows. He says, technically in California state law, if they're not at the grow and I'm there, I can't do anything. To, I can't arrest them. And I'm like... This is so fast. These, they're literally escaping in front of our eyes. Out. And you know, you see it in the documentary. And you know, we, we as soon as we, we park the car, we, we jump out. The sheriff starts running because they're just trying to arrest anyone now that's, that's even on the ground. We go. They, they, one of the men that were on there was like a 75-year-old man from Thailand. 
Wow. And, I, and, you know, he doesn't even speak English. And I'm like, oh, man. And then, um, and then they also caught it among married couple, a wife and a husband. But they spoke English, and we were very lucky because we wanted to get answers. So I asked the sheriff, I said, Sheriff, you okay if I interview them? Hey, no problem. And I mean, this was fascinating because even with LA County, the previous documentary, we couldn't even interview the, the arrestees. So we, we interviewed this monk couple. I said, what, what, how'd you get into this black market marijuana business from Minnesota? And they said, you know, they had monk leaders basically in, you know, group chat saying, hey, there's growers making 10,000 bucks a month. This is a new opportunity for, for us, for our community. And, and that's what started bringing, in, bringing them in. And I, I asked them, I said, how long have you been here working here? They said, we've been, we just got here, we've been working for 30 days, for a month. It's how much have you been paid? I haven't been paid. Wow. And I said, do you, know, do you feel like you're being taken advantage of? No, and I think, I was thinking to myself, it's almost like these folks are being almost brainwashed or something, or they're being fed this big lie. And, um, and the thing is too, Simak, the, the sad part about it is, whether it was a seven-year-old man or that married couple, are they the bad guys in this whole story? No, these are regular folks. Um, should, should they be doing this? I mean, absolutely not. But it's the leaders who are really the bad people because even when Cisco County raised these grows, I mean, we could, we could arrest these low-level workers all day. They're not the masterminds. They're not the ones who are buying the land, getting the workers there, getting the supplies there, manage, I mean, you know, getting the security, getting the weapons. They're not the ones doing it. So what happens to the buyers of the, the owners of that land or the people that are there? Is there any punishment? So the thing is, um, because California in 2016, when they legalized marijuana statewide, growing weed in our state- Which was Prop 64, Was Prop right? 64, and as you know, because we, we spoke about it many times, growing weed in our state was a felony. Illegal cultivation was a felony. But with the pass of Prop 64, it got knocked down to a misdemeanor. So now it's just a $500 ticket. So. Same thing in our conversation last time, CMAX. So now when the Cisco County Sheriff raised these grows, unless they could find the evidence of water theft, actual like human trafficking and weapons, and they, they can't attach any felonies, those, those people are just gonna get hit with a $500 misdemeanor ticket. But like, like I was saying though, majority of the time, not all the time, but majority of the time when they are raiding the, the grows, the people caught are the very low level people who all they're doing is harvesting the plant. They're not involved in like the trafficking or the water theft or you know, even guarding it with, with, with weapons. These they're are low level people. They're just doing a job. Yeah. So, and how much were they making? Did they tell you, the couple, how much were they promised to get well, out of that? They, they didn't tell me how much they were promised to get, but what was interesting is that they were essentially um, labor trafficked because they've been working essentially on this grow and not allowed to leave for 30 days straight. And even to the point where they knew that sheriffs were coming into the raid and the boss or whoever the leader was made them stay on that, on that uh, operation. And one of the people that were labor trafficked was a seven-year-old guy, 75-year-old guy from Thailand. He didn't even speak the language. And is he, is, is he a criminal mastermind? No, he doesn't know what's going on. It's these high-level leaders. And it also made me question that day of, you know, how effective are these raids? Because you could do a raid all day, uh, we're not catching the main guy. Um, so there's a lot of challenges to the story. The main thing is, is still is that Sacramento and Governor Gavin Newsom won't step in and even acknowledge the problem. They're not even recognizing the problem. And when I speak to Sheriff LaRue, I say, Sheriff, why do you think Gavin Newsom hasn't come? And he says, we try to raise the alarm. The only thing that they could think of is that in Siskiyou County, and we also spend a lot of time in this other county called Lassen County, those counties were some of the highest in actually voting to recall Governor Gavin Newsom. 
So they're thinking that because of that, they're, they're not getting neglected. any help. And we and we spent a lot of time in documenting Lassen. Lassen County led the recall. They were at 83% of the county voted to recall uh, Gavin Newsom. And we were spending some time in Lassen. We interviewed a couple of like farmers there. Uh, we interviewed a farmer whose name is Bill, where Bill was telling us that every day he, he when we go out to his farm, he had armed Mexican nationals stealing water from all day from his lake and his and on, on his on his farm he calls the sheriff hey sheriff i have armed mexican nationals most likely connected with cartels stealing water and they're taking it to an active grove not too far from my property here i could view everything the sheriff literally tells bill well bill i don't know what to tell you we have two sheriff deputies for the whole county i'm not sending my sheriff deputies to take on any cartel i said and then when when i spoke to bill bill said could you imagine our county lassen is as big as the state of rhode island and we have two sheriff deputies for the whole county. I mean, if, you know, we made a joke about it last time, but it was like, with, with all the incentives, it's like, why would you not do this business? I mean, if you could grow illegally and rake in millions of dollars and get hit with a $500 misdemeanor at worst, I mean, you know, you'd be a fool not to be in that business. But that's what those residents experience. And, and whether it was from Northern California to Southern California, I keep hearing the same things. It was you know, the sheriff ain't gonna come, I have to stay armed, you know, or, you know, like no one's gonna come for me. Um, the water theft, the violence, the human trafficking, it was, I, I couldn't believe that across statewide, I was seeing these issues. It's just that in Northern California, it was at a times 10, I mean, literally. Um, we interviewed a resident who one day, you know, there was, he's hearing knocks on his front door, opens the front door, these three migrants on his front door burned. And he goes, what, you know, what happened? And there was a wild, there was a wildfire in that, in that area. And what they told him directly was, hey, um, we were actually in, um, outside of a Home Depot in Central California, and this Mexican guy came and picked us up. We thought we were getting picked up to work on a construction house. Little did we know, three hours later, we're in these mountains in Northern California, and now we're being told with guns to our face that we have to grow this crop. And we didn't know what was going on. So what the migrants told them was that when this wildfire happened, they were so scared to leave the operation because they thought that they would be killed. They sat there and got burned. And it, it took them finally getting actually burnt, almost dying. They ran away. They, they reached the resident. The, you know, the resident spoke to us on camera. They called the firefighters and saved them. But that's the stories that we are hearing every day in, in Northern California. And I go, where's the media? I mean, where... Who is, who's telling the story for these folks? It's, it has gone under the table. Um, I've seen other media coverage when it comes to the Hmong community. I don't know what it is. I don't know if they're too scared to touch it because of the race card, but you have to call it out. It is what it is. These people came in from the state of Minnesota around 2015, brought in their family members. They're getting involved in local politics, and they're ruining the lives of, of these people who have been living there for years, especially the farmers. I mean, the farmers have almost essentially no water to grow their, their crop. It's being used on marijuana. So Jorge, you're mentioning that there's people with guns and there's control and water theft. Has it resulted in any death of, of the residents or people that are working for these growers? Yeah, so un unfortunately during our reporting, um, being closely connected with Siskiyou County Sheriff's, uh, we found out that the homicide rate has jumped and the missing persons rate has jumped. And when they started looking into more of these deaths, uh, we looked into a few deaths connected to illegal marijuana grows. One of them was in uh, Medicinal County. Honduran male um, escaped an illegal grow and was actually found, 
his body uh, dead in the back of a regular car in the back of a trunk just parked on the side of a road. That's in, in Mendocino County. We've interviewed residents where they actually had um, migrants run to their house after a migrant was shot and killed. And they actually, one of them, when they ran to the house, had his hand chopped off. And the resident, I mean, they obviously called sh the, the sheriffs and everything, and they were able to discover two deceased bodies on an illegal grow operation. And these are just countless stories, stories of, and the, the sad part is the people who are mostly dying from this are the Central American migrants, Mexican um, migrants who are being promised this dream in the United States, and they have no idea that they're, they're being used in this type of, uh, of industry. Uh, when we speak to Siskiyou County sheriffs, they've already actually, the sheriffs themselves, got into gunfire fights with Hmong growers, Mexican growers, um, Russian nationals, but the one, the one thing that I've heard is that they've discovered migrants with hands chopped off. That, that to me has, has been a, a common uh, trend and you know, bodies just being buried in these illegal grow operations. But for folks who don't know, Northern California leads, um, I believe it leads the nation in missing people. And it's all in that connected in the Emerald Triangle, um, Humboldt County. Um, up, when you're up there too, they actually have a nickname for these migrants. They call them Tremigrants. They don't even call them migrants. And I said, what's a trimigrant? Well, a trim they say, well, a trimigrant is someone who is a migrant who is being brought up by cartel or legal growers to just being forced to just trim and grow marijuana. Uh, so they have a nickname for these folks, and those are the people who are dying because I think what happens is, you know, months go by and they realize that they've been fooled, and then once they try to escape, is that's when, when they, when they're, when, you know, they, they get shot at, hands get, hands get cut off, and luckily, Maybe and maybe that Hmong couple that I interviewed in a document they, they, might, they, they might not realize this, but luckily for them, Siskiyou County Sheriff were able to raid that girl, and they're lucky that they were able to get arrested because what happens if two months go by and the Hmong couple goes, "Hey, we haven't been paid," and they attempt to run away, you know, who 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 knows? You know, but it's a it's a very violent situation, it's a deadly situation, and the issue that alarms the the sheriffs is the missing person rate. I mean, that for them is like, the amount of people that have gone missing in Northern California is absolutely alarming connected to illegal grow operations. So what are the community doing about it? Do they have any options left from what you So what the community is trying to do, they're trying to talk to people like me <laughs> and get the story out. There's, at this point, there's not much they could do. Um, they all have to stay armed because even the sheriffs don't have the bodies. Um, when we were up there in Doris, uh, we were there for a town hall meeting, and we put some of that town hall in our trailer. And I think that's what really intrigued the audience because there, you hear one of the moms saying, "If this continues to happen, I'm going to have to shoot these guys myself. If they come and harm my kids or shoot at my kids, I'm going to do it myself." And she was actually telling this, and she was directing the anger to the DA of Siskiyou County named Kirk Andrus. And after the town hall, I spoke with the DA. I said, "What are what are what are, what are the challenges from your side, from the district attorney?" He says, look, I'm ready to prosecute. The thing is, is California has made it a misdemeanor to grow illegally, which makes it harder for our sheriffs to get the search warrants. And the way that these guys switch the names on the parcel owners, it's so hard. So what, they, what they're trying to do is, um, when they switch these parcel names, actually, it's actually a real estate fraud. The, the thing is, is Siskiyou County is so poor as a county, they don't have a DA or they don't have an attorney who's an expert on real estate fraud. So they can't prosecute real estate fraud. So when I spoke to DA, I said, so what's the solution? He said, the only thing that we thought of as a county was, anytime you switch a parcel name, 
it's a $6 fee, and they're going to use that $6 fee and hopefully, and hopefully get them enough funds to hire an attorney who's an expert on real estate fraud. I mean, I couldn't even believe it when I heard wow. this. And I said, you guys don't have the money, the, the expertise. They're like, we're Siskiyou County. We have 44,000 residents. We're literally one of the poorest, if not the poorest, county in California. So do you think these counties, like a county like that, is it left behind in California? Absolutely. And it feels like that. Um, I think the only thing good that the Siskiyou County has going for them is they have a good congressman, Doug LaMalfa, who cares about the issue. He's trying to bring that issue to Washington, D.C. And their sheriff, Jeremiah LaRue, who he has all the passion in the world to fight this. I mean, the guy's only 37 years old and has a cartel illegal immigration crisis on his hands. I mean, I don't know how many sheriffs even have to take that on in, in our state, but he's trying to do what he can with, with the resources, um, but it kind of feels like a game of whack-a-mole because, I mean, Jeremiah and his, and his Siskiyou County Sheriff's, they could raid, what, 10 operations in a day? There'll be 20 that popped up that same day. I mean, the, the county's so ruined and, and large. Um, and it, also when we spend time in Doris, Doris is this last town almost before you hit Oregon. It's all illegal grow operation controlled. I mean, we spent time on this mountain where uh, there was this lake that families love to go to endorse. It's all Hmong, Mexican controlled, heavily armed individuals up there. And the thing is, is when we're speaking to our law enforcement agents in, in that area, because it got so bad in Northern California, it trickled into Southern Oregon. So Southern Oregon is seeing the exact same issue with, with illegal grows. Right now, Southern Oregon is getting hit heavy hard by Mexican cartel. It's all Mexican. We haven't seen the Hmong move into Southern Oregon. But Southern Oregon and Northern California, huge human trafficking, human smuggling, cartel operations. And let's not forget, a lot of these folks, not the Hmong, but the Mexican, the Russians, and the other groups, illegal marijuana is just one aspect of business. You still have fentanyl, cocaine, methamphetamine, other other issues, weapons weapons trafficking from here to from here to Mexico. So the issue in Northern California um, is a serious one. It's one that it's getting out of control. And like I said, the legal marijuana side in California, uh, it's about to collapse. It's on the brink. It's on the brinks of, of 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 collapsing. And like I said before, you know, I interviewed the people. I said, "Do you what's going to happen in the next five years? This is all going to be mung. It's going to be all all legal growers." Now, the sheriff, is he afraid for his life? Is there any fear on his end? Because these are dangerous people that may want to stop him. Yes, um, that's one thing that he has to live with. What was interesting to me, C-Mac, spending some time in Northern California was we actually had two interviews with two county board of supervisors. I can't even name them. One of them, when the, whether it was Hmong or Mexican, but the legal grow cartel groups found out that we were going to conduct this interview on, on camera, that county board of supervisors was, was threatened in person. Um, the county board of supervisors was actually eating in a restaurant. The growers walked into that restaurant and said, we found out that you're, you're speaking to the Daily Caller. We know that this reporter is on the ground working on this documentary. If you speak to him on camera, basically it was a death threat. And was like, you know what the result would be. So that board of supervisor called us panicking, said, I'm sorry, but I can't do the interview. And I said, I don't blame you. I, I, I know the risk. And, and another county board of supervisor did an interview with us, but wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't go on camera, just wanted just to give us the info because that's how much threats that they get. And it's, a, it's, it's real. Um, and I was shocked because throughout my whole experience, you know, I've, I've reported at the border, I, I go into Mexico, I, do, you know, I, I covered the crime and cartel stuff, but never has an elected official in the United States backed off an interview with me 
because they've actually were threatened from that group. I and I mean this is happening in, in California. the United States. I mean, it's absurd. So when you went through this, you mentioned control, and were you afraid? Was there? Did you feel like people were watching you guys or guns being involved? Um, I don't. I wouldn't say. I, would, I wouldn't say the word afraid, but there were moments where things got risky. Um, we were in in areas that were that were mainly mainly Mexican controlled, and we were actually started to being followed by one of the growers. Um, one of the growers actually from their operation flew a drone over our car, and we were thinking that they they probably flew it to get get our license plate. Um, so we ran into some scary situations with with with, with that um, but for me i always look at it as it's a risk that we're willing to take because people need to see the reality um and they, they have to they you just have to and i think whether you're democrat or republican no one wants to see migrants human traffic um you know labor trafficked um abused killed um, whether you're republican or democrat you don't want to see our environment destroyed with all the banned toxins that, are, that is being used on the marijuana coming from Mexico, whether you're a Republican, Democrat, we don't agree with millions of gallons of water being stolen from us in, in the middle of a drought. So I think people could see that and hopefully come together to, to bring a resolution to this issue. Um, so you saw them actually f looking at you guys. Yeah, and these and folks are heavily, heavily armed, so they'll have weapons on so them. So do, we we do you see the weapons? Is we, we, yeah, we, we saw the weapons. Um, I mean, obviously when we saw that, we're, we're out of there, right? And I mean, as soon as we, we were driving out of this area, I mean, it's all cartel controlled. They put a drone over us. They flew, um, they flew, they got our license plates. When we were in Doris, we went into that mountain that's like about 100, 200 illegal girls, mainly Hmong. Um, we got visible threats. They said, what are you doing here? Get out of here. And, and that's a risk that we're willing to take. Um, some of those threats we got with John Norris with us. Um, but it's, it's scary stuff. Um, I would say... My, my closest call actually was in uh, when we filmed Cartelville up in Anila Valley because actually we actually got stopped by a Mexican cartel and he examined our car and I thought I thought that was it for us. But um, it's a risk that we're willing to take. We want to keep showing the American audience of, of the reality on the ground. Now, it looks like these people have figured out how to get into our legal system, get involved with the political system and use the laws or the weakness of our mm -hmm. laws in California to to their advantage. So do you have any thoughts for the state? What do you think the, the people on the ground, what were their thoughts on what the state should do about this? Well, the people on the ground now, they feel like they need National Guard or you need like Washington DC involved. Um, it's, it's gotten that, that, that bad. We spend a lot of time in these areas where even police are, don't go into because it's literally all of them are, are, are cartel growed. Um, we spend a lot of time, you interviewed MC Mac John Norris, you know, former game warden with California Fishing Game. He developed the, f the sniper team and the first kind of marijuana enforcement teams for Cal Fishing Game. John Norris has a ton of experience in fighting cartels in these, in these situations. And one thing that me and John spoke about was, he said, well, Jorge, back in, when I started in 06, we started fighting these cartels. It was easier to raid the girls because all the girls were on public land. So California National Parks, forests. It was all in public, so you didn't actually need a search warrant. These guys were already breaking the law. The environmental damage is another aspect. He said, but after 2016, we knew the game was over. Because of the misdemeanor, right? now. Not, not only that, you. but because they made it uh, legal statewide to grow, 
now cartels could use the Constitution against law enforcement. Meaning, if you're a cartel, oh, I don't have to actually go to the public anymore. I could buy land and grow it here or do indoor grows and, and basically use the Constitution against law enforcement. So John said the biggest thing was right when 2016 happened, he said he knew, he knew they already lost the, the battle because they were going to use their own property against them. And they, and they have, when I speak to, to sheriffs, anyone, DAs, they all think, we need Washington, D.C. There's no other way to, to, fi to fight this issue. What about changing Prop 64? What if the state changes Prop? That's another angle. The only thing, I mean, from my perspective, I don't see Governor Gavin Newsom changing it. A, because if he changes it, he has to admit that it was, that they lost on that policy. It was a failure. It was a failure from their administration because it passed under Newsom. He's not going to admit that because Gavin Newsom is eyeing the White House. He's, get, he's getting, resi getting ready for a presidential run. He will not make that a failure. And that's, that's the biggest thing. Um, and the thing is, it, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because even the people who legally grow weed, the legal weed, this is not like an anti-weed thing. I mean, the, even the legal weed side, they don't like what's happening with the black market because they say, hey, these guys don't pay taxes. They obviously are not paying their workers. You know, the, the legal weed guys have to pay these guys the actual uh, uh, living wage. They don't have to pay the workers. The water's off. I mean, it's stolen from us. Um, so they view that and said they're destroying our business. They want the governor to get involved. So I've been meeting with legal weed owners, and what they're telling us is that they're getting ready to draft letters. I believe they may, might have already sent them by now to the governor Newsom to say, A, you need to relook at Prop 64, or two, you need to relax our taxes on the, on the legal weed side or we're, we're going to collapse. We're all going to fail. And then we're going to have a whole state of California. It's all illegal weed. And I spoke to some law enforcement agents in Montana and Utah. They've already pulled over and uh, arrested mongrels from Siskiyou County who are bringing in dope to their states. I spoke to a law enforcement officer in Utah who said they pulled over a mongrel, 80 pounds, dry sealed marijuana, weapons. Oh, yeah, they arrested him, felony in Utah. Same thing in Montana. Another guy got caught with about 100 uh, dry-sealed marijuana, all coming from Siskiyou County. When they did the interviews, they looked at everything. Oh, they're coming from Siskiyou County, Northern California. And the thing is, that down there, CMAC, it's, it looks like it's been taken over by, like, Minnesota because that's all the licensed places you see. Um, we spoke to a woman uh, who's a dog rescuer. And, you know, she's just a regular dog rescue woman, you know, rescues dogs. She came to the town hall in Doris when it came – when it to talk about this cartel grow up. And what she mentioned was when she was out there rescuing dogs, she started noticing a trend that she was running into dogs with, um, that had been tied up. So all this has been basically bruised up, badly injured, scarves. And she started doing her own research and finding out that l these dogs are being left behind from mung growers. So after the season, they just leave the dogs, the, the watchdogs, and basically leave them to die. And this lady sa is saving the dogs, I mean, they're, beautifully mistreated it's, it's really animal abuse and then when she looked at the she started tracking the collars you know to see where, the, where these dogs are coming from if they were stolen in Siskiyou County she started finding that these dogs all date back to Minnesota and she's like what so she starts contacting the owners of these dogs hey um I don't know if you know this but your I just found your dog in Northern California and the owners would be like I have no idea what happened like how that even happened and what she was saying is these growers were on their way here we're stealing dogs and they're bringing them to be watchdogs. And then at the end of the growth, they just leave the dogs basically to rot. Um, and that's another angle. And I was like, this is extremely interesting. It's fascinating all because of what the Hmong community is doing. 
the, I mean, they, they already showed that they could hire lawyers and beat, beat you in a, in a case. And it almost seems like no one can talk about this issue because they don't want to be labeled a racist. <laughs> now, do you have any other thoughts for our audience? My thoughts for the audience would be is pay attention to what's happening in California with, with marijuana. This is not just Northern California. It's down to SoCal. It's, it's our whole state. Um, how this one policy has destroyed everything. Um, progressives always like to say, you know, this is for black and brown people. Well, it's black and brown people being trafficked, being smuggled, being um, basically forced to work on these girls. You're gonna see it in our documentary, like I said, the Hmong, you know, married group that was, I mean, they worked for 30 days, labor traffic, they weren't gonna be paid. I mean, if they already got a month not, not being paid, they weren't, they weren't gonna be paid for that, for that girl. Um, so please pay attention to what's happening here in our state when it comes to marijuana. It's not going well, it's, it's, on, it's on the brinks of, of collapse. And pay attention here because other states are looking to pass marijuana laws not knowing that the cartels have, are fully taking advantage of, of the black market business. Jorge Ventura, reporter, it was great to have you on California Insider. Thank you, sir. We wanna ask you to sign up to our California Insider email list. You will receive exclusive updates on our upcoming documentary and get the latest inside stories on everything that's happening in California. Go to InsiderCA.com and sign up 